and join me in a spirit of prayer. God of the word, God of our lives, God of love, we ask that we may walk in your word and discern your ways, that we may glory to your name. And may the words of our mouths and the meditations of all our hearts be truly acceptable to you, O God, our rock and our redeemer. For those of you who've been with us the last few weeks or been reading the weekly letter, we have been following a series of the elements in worship, what it means to worship, taking each part of our worship and holding it up a little bit for this time together and thinking a little more deeply about what it means. We started with welcome, how that's the heart of our worship. We then moved to confession and assurance, this very important way of acknowledging our frailty and our humanity and being affirmed as children of God. And then last week we talked about the passing of the peace and how that is important to us. And Amy spoke of it being like the circulatory system of the body of Christ when we share peace with one another inside this place and outside these walls. We move today to the Word, the Scripture. And those of you who read my weekly blog, you know I gave you a little homework. So I'm going to start out with a sort of didactic mode here, hopefully not pedantic, but didactic. How many of you know what the Wesleyan quadrilateral is? Oh, I hear a shaking hand. Yes, yes. Uh, we have some good Methodists down here who know what the Wesleyan quadrilateral is. Uh, uh, Doug, can you tell me what it is? And do you know what those four components to evaluate life and experience are? It's okay if you don't get all of them. History, experience, faith. We'll send you back to catechism in a minute, but that was very good and very brave. Yes. Reason. So it is the, the Wesleyan Quadrilateral. Anyone know who John Wesley was? Thank you. Who was John Wesley? Founder of Methodism of one of our founding churches. Okay. Um, uh, Doug had it right. Faith. John Wesley wanted people to try to figure, help them figure out how to discern their faith and came up with four elements. Scripture, tradition or history of the faith, experience, our own lived experience as part of the body of Christ and as human beings, and reason. It's a very effective device, which I find useful again and again. For instance, when the church has been trying to figure out whether to ordain women, which it has been trying to figure out in the last century, hopefully we'll, we'll solve it in this century, that they went to the scriptures which put this down as unsound teaching. But then to look at the scriptures as a whole and perhaps look at the Gospels and how Jesus elevated women in his ministry. Or on LGBTQ issues, how we discern what the church's role is in that. And as our reason and understanding of human sexuality has changed over time, the Wesleyan Quadrilateral has been very helpful to us. But it's very clear to me that the foundation of it is the Word, the Scripture. This giant book or sometimes little pocket book that we carry around with us as the holy text of our faith. I know I have at least one listener of my sermons who says that they hate it when I get to the biblical parts of the sermon. Wish we could just gloss over that. Some of you may feel the same way. 
I understand why, because it is an arcane and often abstruse book. As I wrote to you this week, many of us think that the scriptures seem, we are taught that the scriptures are sort of one tome, the Holy Bible, that may have been written from the same inspired pen. It is, in fact, as I see someone nodding, an anthology of 66 different books. It's like a library, all written in different times and spaces in different genres by different authors in slightly different places who had different experiences and different reasoning and different theologies, different understanding about God. But the miracle of this book to me is that they were all trying to figure it out, just as you and I continue to figure out what this text means to us. I will tell you, as I believe I've told you before, that when we plan worship, we try to start, whenever possible, by reading the scripture that's going to be read aloud in church and using it as the foundation, the springboard for every piece of music, for the way we do the prayers, for the way we coordinate ourselves in this movement of the body. Now, I believe, as I've said, this is a time for us to center in what our faith is about so that we can take it out into the world. That, to me, is one of the basic premises of worship to gather in a community of like-minded souls or even differing souls so that we can discern together who God is in our lives. But I realize it's hard to dig into Scripture. Some of us have done it with great skill and great courage, and some of us avoid it altogether. A secular Israeli friend of mine was on a plane once in which he was talking, I believe, to someone from the Jehovah's Witnesses or a conservative tradition who was telling him about his faith and said, you know, God has made everything clear and plain in the scriptures. To which my Israeli friend said, if that's really the case, then your God is an utter failure. Because if you were to survey the people on this plane, they will all have differing views on God and the scriptures. There are people who said it's a plain text, it means what it says and says what it means. But if you ever spend any time with it, you can get lost in its pages. You can see how one book may disagree slightly with another book. Even in the four Gospels, they are four different angles, different images of Jesus' ministry on earth. And I think there's a lot of value in that, because if any four of you were to talk about the same event, you would come up with four slightly different versions of it, and they might not all agree. It is a human-created document, and I believe, yes, divinely inspired. It was put together, this particular set, for we Protestants in 325, as also for our Catholic sisters and brothers. They also include some other books. Our Jewish sisters and brothers have a different collection altogether that they use. But the Protestant Bible, as you know, it has 39 books in the Old Testament, or the Hebrew Scriptures, and 27 in the New Testament, which we seek to dig into each week. Now, for those of us trying to understand it, it also reminds me of a book I read a few years ago when I wanted to understand opera a little better. It was written by a critic of opera news, Fred Plotkin, who went through and took you through a survey of different operas. But he said from the outset, opera is hard to understand for a modern American because there are many layers of text and culture and time that separate us from the original intent, sometimes the emotional content of what's going on in the opera. His book was all about spending a little time studying the opera before you actually go see La Traviata or La Boheme or The Ring Cycle. It will help you appreciate it more and get more to the heart 
the emotional core of the music and the text. But he said, here's a secret you need to know, is opera, all of it, is basically about sex. And once you understand that, you'll enjoy it much more. All the intrigue and the plots. Now, the Bible is not essentially about sex, although many interpreters of it will try to tell you that in the modern context. There's plenty of it going on in the Bible, ethical and unethical, consensual and coerced. You can read about that. But what the Bible is about, through all these layers of culture and text and different times and genres, is about the living God. And people trying to make sense of their lives and this question of God in their lives, or perhaps even, as some of you might ask, if God even exists. What I hope for in worship is that we might open these pages across the sanctuary, that it becomes a sort of pop-up book for us, that we might walk around in it, and we could actually talk and inter- inter- have inter- interchange with people like Timothy and Paul or Moses and the midwives who brought him into this world, Pua and Shifra, or Jesus and his disciples, that we might place them around this room and actually be in dialogue about the same sorts of problems and feelings they faced centuries ago that you and I face today. Most of these epistles were written about people who didn't know how to get along, who didn't know how to get along in community. And I think for us in United States in 2017, they're good books for us to swim around in to try to figure out what some of the advice was about really listening. When Paul said to the church at Corinth that love is the most important thing for us, it is patient and kind and does not revel in wrong but rejoices in the right, that it listens for one another, this is something we should have in our culture and our body politic, and it's up to you and me to take that out there. In this text, you will read about a father who forgives a son who has done all sorts of wrong and given him a banquet table, going against our whole ideas of fairness and right and wrong. In this text, you will hear about two brothers who were divided and put apart by their parents who didn't know how to raise them and sent off on their separate journeys, bitter foes, but came together for a moment of reconciliation when they said, to see your face is like to see the face of God. You'll hear about another brother in that same family who was sold into slavery by his older brothers, but later forgave them and helped them, even despite the wrong they had given him. You'll read about a mother, mother-in-law and her daughter-in-law, who in the absence and the death of the son and the husband that, that brought them together, decided they would join together as people and be together united as a new kind of family. You will read about welcoming refugees and immigrants. You will read about a psalmist who believed that God knows us intimately even as we're born and numbers the hairs on our head. You will read about a charismatic king who committed adultery and had the woman's husband killed in battle and wrote a psalm about how he needed God to create a clean heart in him. All the things you read in the paper that you hear about in your offices, in your own families of origin, They are in the text. And I believe it helps us to walk around just like that cover image on your order of worship 